In a world where mysterious prehistoric grubs have inexplicably emerged in only one valley in Nevada, it's up to two friends, lovers, casually homeless handymen, to save the town they were desperately seeking to flee. Get ready for Tremors. Woo! I love it. That's pretty I... great. That felt pretty great. Thank you. That, I'd say that's the movie. That's, that's definitely the movie. And that's the well, podcast. Uh, Thank you for coming, Eric. It was great to see you. We're done. Awesome. We can wrap it up. This was fun. Yeah. Welcome to Trash Your Peace Theater. I'm Alex. He's Luke. And we've got our first guest ever today, Eric Hutchinson. What do they used to call you on uh, the Fantasy Baseball Podcast? International Recording Superstar, Eric Hutchinson? That's right. That's right. That's like, I would imagine that's how you want to be introduced in, in at least I'm podcast. podcast royalty. That's right. I'm a made man in the podcast world. He's slumming. Yeah, you are definitely slumming it. I don't know if you know this, Luke, because you don't care about fantasy baseball. But uh, I wouldn't say I don't care about. I don't know about it. You do not care about fantasy baseball. Well, I certainly don't like it. It's not that I don't care. Fair. It's not that he doesn't care. He's just not invest. You're not actively against it. I am. I care, but negative. Oh, interesting. Got it. Uh, Well, like 15 years ago, Eric had the theme song for ESPN's fantasy baseball podcast. Yeah, I I mean, it's still technically the football one today, but it's all chopped up. It's hardly recognizable. I I try to take my name off of it, but they won't let me. Really? Are you serious? (laughs) No, but uh, it is still kind of the same one. It's just chopped up. That's the best $40 ESPN ever spent getting me to do that theme song. I am in a fantasy Olive Garden League, so that's where my excitement lies. Tell me more. Always bet on breadsticks. Always bet on breadsticks. Well, thank you very much for being here, Eric. We uh, invited you on here because you are uh, one of our dear friends, and the three of us have been talking about movies for years, and so you were obviously the first person that we wanted to have on, and we opened this up to you uh, saying, what movie, what trashy genre B-movie do you love that you want to discuss? And you chose Tremors. You care to tell us why? I chose it with great glee. It jumped off the page. I, I just love this movie. I think it's a perfect movie. I, I almost take offense to you calling it a B movie. I, I, I consider it an A movie. I feel like the filmmakers would call it a B movie, but, I, you know. Yeah, no, I, I got what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a B plus movie for me. How about that? A and uh, I'm going to, I don't, I don't really know if, if the point of this podcast is to pick this apart. I'm going to have a hard time because I'm, I'm just going to really be pushing hard on, on everything from Kevin Bacon's undershirt to uh ron underwood you know i'm gonna be it's all under plus on everything the one thing i will say is i've seen this movie so many times but i can't remember the last time i watched it like top down all the way you know like i didn't even know there were credits to this movie in the beginning you know i've seen the middle and like the end of it so many times it's like my top 10 movies to catch randomly on cable I was going to ask if you were sneaking in after you you pay for other movies and then you go see <laughs> Tremors. That was your move. Yeah, Cable. Cable was good. You don't, can't do that anymore. You can't just fall into the middle. Of, that's my th- theory of what Netflix should do. They should have all your fa- – you have your favorites you selected, and there should be a surprise me and drop me in – yeah, forty three minutes in or something, you know. The Netflix, the chill stream, it's just going. It's currently going, so it's not like asking you. 
right. still watching this? Because there's such a big it's, difference between falling into the middle of Tremors and enjoying it and having to actually actively start Tremors on my own like a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally right. I do miss that. I mean, I even have, I got Hulu Live and you can't even really like channel surf on that, you know? And it just takes a minute for every channel to load. The days of just clicking through and, and like instantly being like, wait, what the fuck is this? I don't know. We do not live in a better world. You got to get Pluto. <laughs> they have it organized in verticals. Like there's one called the Nosy Channel. That's all Maury Povich and Jerry Springer. It's just by interest. The Nosy Channel? Mm-hmm. That sounds <laughs> interesting. You've been on the Pluto bandwagon for a while, man. Or I've, the Pluto space shuttle? Going all the way to hell. It's the it's <laughs> the Roman underworld god. Yeah, I. it's been a long time since I'd seen Tremors. So when you when you chose it, I was excited because me too. It's hard to call anything a B movie that spawns, I think, like seven sequels and other iterations. Total of six Tremors movies. Yeah, I like this movie so and much. And a TV show and a pilot that didn't get greenlit, starring Kevin Bacon. Wow, when was that? Ooh. That was like in the last couple of years. That was for the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, they, they did commission a pilot, and they did, and they didn't say yes. Kevin Bacon said yes, and they didn't say yes. Crazy, right? And a theme park ride where they just bury you in dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I'd seen this movie since like the sixth grade. Or really? boy, did I love it then. Yeah, I just not even on the not even on cable or anything. I mean, this is a classic. They must have just put the rights up for so cheap. Everybody showed this movie. I bet it was every time they made a every time they made a sequel, they were like, get people watching the first Tremors so that when they see there's a new Tremors. I got to find out what happened to these guys. You're probably right. I think I might have even had Tremors on DVD. Wow. Now, yeah. I, I would be interested to know what the special features were. But yeah, well, it's just, uh, it just made me so happy to watch this movie, guys. So thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. We would be doing this anyway, even if we weren't recording it for a big time podcast. No, when I want the hottest, We did it a lot over COVID. The hottest it's true. We have biz, literally. We go to Eric. <laughs> yeah. It takes so hot. That they are the temperatures in perfection, Nevada. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I There's a lot about this. I mean, right from the beginning, the fact that they wake up sleeping in the back of a truck as sort of like that's their regular go-to move feels insane. It gets pretty cold out in the desert. Am I wrong? That is one thing they don't seem to really take into consideration in this movie, that it gets very cold at night. There's like yeah. one scene where they sleep on a rock and he just throws a jacket on her and everyone's fine, you know? <laughs> That's cute. It gives him a chance to be a gentleman. Yeah, but he would be frozen. Inviting her, this that, that new geologist into their weird thruple. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. About the two of them. Yeah, it's kind of just, they just seem like good old buddies. They've known each other forever, but they bicker like like a married couple. Not only that, when they are like leaving the shack that they live in, there's a shot of their mailbox and it has both of their names on the mailbox, which is very domestic. It says right? Mr. and Mr. <laughs> it says, I think it says like their first initials and last names. They like grab it as they're like leaving. I didn't realize that. And I think. To call this a town also feels generous. I mean, this is a population of like 11 people here. How are they having enough work to go around? I have a lot of questions about the town in general. In fact, I'll say at this point that I have spent a lot of time where they filmed this. And I also spent a lot of, I've been in the town that the town in this movie is based on. It was attacked by worms? It was attacked by worms. uh, Worms being a metaphor for the city of Los Angeles going underground and stealing all of the water away oh. so it's lone pine california and i was there for a month where we 
filmed the Afghanistan scenes of Iron Man, which I was a production assistant wow. on. And while you were there, you stole their water. That's right. They have this mountain range there, the Sierra Nevadas, that has all of this prehistoric shrubbery there that you really can't find in like other parts of the world. That's why they like to film there. But there's also this town called something like Miracle or whatever, I forget. But it's basically, if you go way up into the mountains, you can see this huge lake that used to be there. And it's like completely all dried out now. And it's just salt flats. And along the coast of that is, you can see what used to be this old town. And now it's down to like population 14. The people in that town are not this diverse group of like a young family, preppers, two random handyman. No, it's like... That's the word you'd use to describe this? This cast, you would yeah. say diverse is the word you would use for this cast? Uh, well, there is there is a Mexican man and an Asian man. Mr. Chang, yeah. That's true. I would not put either up as like great depictions of underrepresented communities, but at the same time, for 1990, could have been way, way worse. No, it's uh, it feels like a real town. It feels like I've seen these people when I've stopped in different gas stations along the way in the in the Southwest and stuff. So like these felt like real characters. I especially like the pottery lady. I, I didn't remember her at all. And this this time around, I was like, "That's a real person. I love it." They put the the lady who does her weird pottery there. That pottery <laughs> is very expensive. It, it's very sought after. After she, it's all shot up in value. Single mom raising her pogoing daughter, trying to get great by. place to raise it, kids. <laughs> great place for kids. Where's that girl go to school? <laughs> I, we're getting it. She's got to be homeschooled. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not a town. It's like Bixby seems to be the big town. Everything's about Bixby. We got to get to Bixby. This is not a town. This is like a this is a coincidence that people are all at the same place at the same time. <laughs> It's absolutely right. So real quick, let's briefly lay out the synopsis as laid out by Wikipedia. In the film, handyman Val McKee, Kevin Bacon, and Earl Bassett, Fred Ward, wish to leave the small desert town of Perfection, Nevada, as they are tired of their dull lives. However, they happen upon a series of mysterious deaths and a concerned seismologist, Rhonda, studying unnatural readings below the ground. With the help of eccentric survivalist couple Bert and Heather Gummer, uh, Fred Gross and Reba McIntyre, the, uh, the group fights for survival against giant prehistoric worm-like monsters hungry for human flesh. I'd say that Amazing. sums it up. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that they never they never officially gave him a name. Walter's trying to give him a name, but like I always just thought of them as being called Tremors. They That's were it. the Tremors. I watched the first couple minutes of Tremors too, and somebody comes oh. in to find Earl to because they're mm. having. They're having tremor troubles. And he's like, we're having tremors. And he's like, they're not called tremors. They're called graboids, which is what Walter Chang names them with his dying breath. Yeah, and graboids is a bad name. <laughs> if this movie was called graboids, I would not have picked it to watch with you guys. Walter Chang, the last of a proud family that had been there since. This is also from Future Tremors. They reveal this. Uh, his grandfather helped build the railroads or his great grandfather. One of them. Oh, and, interesting. And they settled the area. So he's probably maybe arguably his family has been in perfection Nevada the longest. Yeah. And well, is that I, guy I was his gonna... son. Sorry. I mean, I'm jumping all over here the place, but uh... hey, look, the we can do whatever kid, we like want. The annoying uh, kind of punk who's laughing yes. at them when they get sprayed with the raw sewage. Can't believe that guy didn't die. He was. I mean, he had really. They're setting him up for me. That. He had really big butt head from Wonder Years Energy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can we? Can we get Wayne Arnold? Head? Yeah. I thought that's who it was. I was like, oh shit, is that Wayne Arnold? I was disappointed when it wasn't. I was like, yeah. I am so ready to spend five minutes talking about the kid that played Wayne Arnold. But but is he Walter Chang's son in the movie? Uh, he's like his I think ward. he's his lover. Who does he belong to? 
again, he's a kid in high school. There's no parents. Walter does seem to be like the only person sort of in charge of him. I think yeah. he's maybe the brother of the Pogo girl. What? No way. That feels crazy because he just is that watching was... her die. When no, he's, he's, like not, at... he's not involved at all. Well, he's at the house at the beginning, right? When they're like doing some septic tank work and get covered in shit. He's like sitting on the porch laughing at them. Maybe he was the son of the, the old drunk guy who dies up on the power lines. That was his dad. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Oh, interesting. Well, Dark, I think they would have said something. Hey, you could go easy on him. His dad just died. Something like that. It was a pre-therapeutic. Let's, let's see. I'm going to the Wikipedia page, which has. I think this is... guy was in uh, Parker Lewis Can't Lose or something. Oh, that's what I'm recognizing. Him Melvin from, Plug, a local boy who constantly irritates people with his pranks. And yeah, so he's got no. You're right. There's no other character in the cast with the last name Plug. So, yes, he has no one. Yeah, they're kind of mean to him considering his circumstances <laughs> yeah he's a wildly tragic character he could be the son of nestor the bald man who gets uh, eaten he could be the son of edgar those guys nestor don't have cunningham mm-hmm. no nestor, yeah, nestor cunningham nestor was, edgar oh, dean oh nestor well. i never even remembered being in this movie i didn't even no. know he was there and then he's, i was like oh my god this guy's in the whole movie yeah that uh, has a character ever made less of an impact than that what's one? His, I was, what's when they the killed point him, of him I'm like, being there? Just another body. That's the one thing I'll give this movie credit for is like, you know, when you watch a horror movie and it's just like three friends going away for the weekend, you're just like, mm-hmm. well, what the body count on this is going to suck. Yeah. It's like here right <laughs> at the top, you know, you're like, oh, we could be looking at a lot of death. And I like that they just kept bringing in more people. They're like, oh, these these construction workers are going to come in and they're going immediately. Yeah, that's like, to, so they can block the road off. Mm-hmm. But that was cool. I felt bad for that guy. Sorry, do you have more important things to get to? Or can we just talk about the power of these graboids? Because I'm a little fuzzy (laughs) on like what they can do. They can rip a pogo stick fully into the ground straight Mm -hmm. down. They can grab a guy by his jackhammer and pull entire thing through. They cannot go through a concrete wall. They can't go through concrete. No. That's too strong. Well, unless it's in the Gummer's basement or unless the Gummer's just had specifically bad construction work done, which is possible. I don't think so. No, no, no. Guys like that, they got that shit on lock. First of all, all they know is people who work in construction. So they have like 20 (laughs) fucking people they can call in favors from and they have access to like cheap goods as well. So I'm not buying that. I'm, I'm those characters the movie were out. excellent i thought like i actually like those characters the same with the pottery lady like i was like yes these are the people that would be in this town those are the people that would be and in town. kevin bacon and and fred ward would be there too but they'd be drunker i think probably but uh on math fred on is math. that his name fred ward right is that it fred, fred ward, ward. Yeah. he the original is john so burnfall movie he is the original he <laughs> is so good in this movie he and Kevin, he's just like giving Kevin a master class. Mm-hmm. He's like fully confident and really enjoyable, but like funny and believable. It's like we don't get enough Fred Ward. What else has he been in? I was. Well, I think he's, he just died, right? He did pass away. Yeah. Once Tremors came out, it was a lot of Tremors from there on out. Yeah, you gotta you gotta keep going back to the well. But I mean, is there something else that he's famous for? There must be. You no. Know? I'm going through his filmography right now. He played the angry dad in a couple movies. He was in Naked Gun 33 and a third. Okay. There we go. He was in The Right Stuff. Oh, okay. That's that's a big one. Escape from Alcatraz way back when. In 2001, he was in Corky Romano and Joe Dirt. Joe, Joe Dirt, Dirt is the one that I was thinking about. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he was like a perfect guy for this movie. It's like, he's got leading looks and he knows what he's doing. He knows where to stand. He knows how to hit his marks. He looks great. His 
they don't make him like they used to, man. Like he's just his shirt always tucked in, you know. He's, he's, just he's like rugged, he's sandpapery, and next he lends, I think, Kevin Bacon the gruffness you need to believe that they could take on graboids. Because Kevin Bacon yes. alone is a little too willowy. His hair in this movie is maybe the windiest Kevin Bacon's hair ever got. Oh my god, I was gonna say I was gonna talk about this because I was sort of curious. I mean, on one hand, I feel like they should have shaved it. Like he should have had a crew cut or something. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the hair's doing so much in the movie that like it's saves the film in some scenes oh wow there are scenes where it it seems to be perfectly still nothing's happening and his hair is blowing all over the place to the (laughs) extent where it feels like it's prehensile and he's doing it on purpose it also looks like his hair is naturally curly and he like straightened it for the movie it it looks very blown dried blow dried (laughs) blown dried. Uh Kevin, and, Kevin Bacon uh, between scenes was just had a straightener and was just kind of keeping That's it, what it perfectly looks like. iron flat. And he's uh, he's got really no no business wearing that muscle tee that he's got on at some points, you know. And that's coming from a guy who also doesn't really have any business. But well, hey, but he's great I in mean, this too. Kevin Bacon is. I mean, I was curious. I didn't look any of this up, but like, what is he? Where is he at at this point in his career? Obviously, he's five years after Footloose. But like, what had he done recently? When I was watching, I was like, what is he doing in this movie? Like, I figured he would be past doing a film like this at this point but he really isn't he had been in diner and he'd Mm. been in footloose yeah i guess she's having a baby those are like the three big things he's done to this point in his career which is over 10 years old at this point and did flatliners after this this was basically the same time i'm not sure which shot first but they came out side by side more or less interesting i think it gave people the permission to see kevin bacon as more than just a hunky kind of romantic figure who could dance he's working in this movie like he's do he's given everything to it he's not sitting it out at all you know he's not like full sprints a lot of full yeah. sprints in both yeah. literal running and just acting sprints there's some great scenes it. where he's just where he's just jumping like there's that one scene where he he's standing behind the counter and he jumps over the counter to, they, like it's just an action scene to where there's no action he jumps over the counter dives across grabs the paper puts it down and it's like he does it a couple times where he's he's putting action into scenes that have no action it's awesome and That's he's really just really cool. committed he's super committed, committed. And i ne- never noticed until this time there's like he takes that shower in the beginning and it's a little it's almost like it's like when you know john mcclain takes off his shoes and die hard you're like man i hope you enjoyed this because this is the last time you're taking a shower for a while you're gonna be real <laughs> dusty buddy <laughs> Yeah, he um he's having the time of his life in this movie. Pretty over the top performance, but I think it's pretty obvious that the the main direction on set was like let's all just have as much fun as possible making this movie about giant worms. Do you think it was ever pitched, Kevin? What if you draw out the the monsters by dancing? And how quickly did he shut that down? If like they're not that's not a thing Valentine does. That's what <laughs> Kevin does. But I loved his name. I love that he has the belt that's got a heart belt, yeah. belt buckle that's on a nice it. I mean, touch. that was that was great. I just love that his like a cowboy care bear. So here's my question: as I'm thinking about it right now, why not just make him and Fred Ward brothers instead of just buddies? Because they have like a brother kind of relationship or whatever. But why not just make them brothers? Then it makes it answers all these questions we already have. That's why they live together. It's why they're kind of arguing all the time together. Who sets up a two man handyman job in a town of twelve? <laughs> Because <laughs> the age gap is too big. It's a father-son relationship, but they're not, you know. Fred needs uh, he, needs he that much older than him? He's I, told 10 years older. He's exactly 10 years it. older. Ten. He Adam when he was older 10. Brother. Yeah. Fred yeah. Ward was out there <laughs> getting it in at 10, I, be, I believe. Yeah. yeah, if anyone was fertile at that age, it was him. The fake Wayne, the false Wayne, 
uh, Kevin Plug or whatever his name, Melvin Plug, is the living boyfriend of the Pogo girl. Wow. No. Wow. Very relaxed. And you take that back. That's why you moved Ariana. to a town that size. Yeah. This that is, is why you moved to a town that I size. like to think that she might be playing the same character as in Jurassic Park. This was, she went to live yeah. with her dad after the trauma yes. of living with her mother in the desert and reunite I with her younger this. brother, only good to go to the world's worst dinosaur theme park. Honestly, we she's underutilized in this movie based on what we know she can do in Jurassic Park. Like, she is so good at being scared and freaked out and everything. Like, they don't give her enough to do in this movie, but maybe it's because she was like nine years old or something. But uh, well, she was I a, think she one was of the... a good childhood crush for me. I feel like what's her name? Ariana Richardson. Is that right? Ariana Richards. Very close. Richards. Very close. Yeah. I think one of the things with this movie and why maybe you don't get more out of her is that my hot take on this movie is okay. that Here we go. this movie is ridiculously budgeted. They made this movie for $10 million, and for a long part of the movie, I'm like, what the fuck did they spend $10 million on? But then they take down the entire town. There's your $10 million, you know? like so $8 million for Kevin, and then the rest for the worms. Yeah. $2 million, like, $1 million each for the two main worms. This is a movie from Universal Pictures that... Feels like it was produced by Roger Corman. Yeah, it's interesting. But is that on purpose? Just, do we do you have any info on that? Like, was it? I mean, I'm obviously sure. they're leaning in a little bit. It's like supposed to be a little throwbacky, but yeah, I think that that's exactly it. I mean, look, this, look again. This is would have been greenlit in the '80s. Like, it's a different landscape in Hollywood. They're not trying to make a hundred million dollar movie here. I think that they are trying to probably do like a throwback to like the '50s, '60s B movies that everybody grew up on, right? And they're just mm -hmm. going to have fun with it. It just strikes me as like. $10 million is just such a weird amount of money to give to this. It's either too much or too little. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of worm stuff. There is a lot of you don't worm feel stuff. Like the, you don't feel like you're seeing the money in, in all those worms? And uh, they, I mean, they're really, I they, do. they do show no, you I it do. a lot. Like a lot I just puppets. think that they run out of money for other things, like a good scene where they kill the girl on the pogo stick. You know what I'm saying? They got so far with it, but then they totally ran out of road. At certain points, it just starts to feel like, super cheap a lot of the like kill scenes are like rushed through you're not getting any of the moments of action like all of this stuff happens off camera not maximum kill not maximum kill which you know you see the teeth on these things yeah i want maximum kill when walter chang gets got r.i.p walter that's the goriest kind of most on screen of the tremors deaths and they don't shred him up they just sort of like he waves around in its body like he's going down a yeah. big garbage disposal and then disappears underground. But I sort of feel like, I don't know if it was intentional, but it, that does feel like the throwback to the 50s B-movie thing. It's They're using these big like fire hoses <laughs> of tremors and they're waving them around and then there's some blood splattered. Actually, my favorite death by far is the doctor and his wife when yeah. they're they're out and the, he goes to find the... Uh, it's actually like beautiful and cinematic and they've got that great shot where he's already died and she locks herself in the station wagon and the zoom out of her through the back of the station wagon and the country yeah. songs playing in the background. And then we, yeah. she's like, thinks she's safe. And then we zoom, we come back in on her and she's like, oh crap, I'm not. I, I thought that was great. I, again, though, the tremors can pull a whole car into the ground. It doesn't work with the physics of dirt as I understand them. No matter how strong right. they are to be like swimming through it. Okay, they're aerodynamic. They have the little like ridges on their body that they somehow get up to like 40 miles an hour with. Station wagon is hard. They have the little, the, they have the little crawler legs. They point them out. 
Rhonda, she's like, check it out. That's how they get around. A station wagon has no crawler legs. Yeah, it has to go somewhere. Well, where's that dirt going to go? The dirt would have to come out to make space to put a, a huge car in the ground. They're kind of treating the sand like it's quicksand or something. Right, or yeah, like, it uh, is quicksand rules. It's it's dune, yeah. but in Nevada. It's not the case. The, the Graboids eat the sand. What? And shit out they, spice. Yeah, they eat the sand and they shit out spice. That's where it goes. It's got to go somewhere. It goes into them. That would explain the smell, guys. The smell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For how much dirt they're eating, they're still so wet whenever they open their mouths. It's like an impossibly moist creature. Oh, I, I do. The... I, I love how just there's just slime everywhere. Mm -hmm. The guts are exploding everywhere. The, I do like how they constantly mention the smell is pretty funny to me. I mean, the little tongues, the little prehensile tongues are kind yeah. of the star of the show. I want to know if they have their own personalities because they seem they do seem to act individually of each other doing their own. You're thing. right. I could see a spinoff like cartoon where it's like, you know, they're all them and with their mommy graboid and the three the of tremors them. tremors inside the mouth. And they're just sort of like, boy, it's another day eating dirt. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I like I like that they create some personalities for them in general. Hey, there's Stumpy. We know him because we pulled one yeah. of his tongues out. That was cool. And I think as the owner of a small dog, the tongue streaks that the small graboid tongues like leave on the windows of the car. I was like, that's yeah. just a great attention to detail. That feels very real. That's like exactly yeah. what it would look like. The graboids, obviously the highlight of the film. They did a great job with those things. Did you guys notice though, they have like grappling hook mouths big like a yeah. big sharp tooth on top and two like grabby ones on the bottom mm -hmm. well that is not what's on the poster no <gasps> they have very different teeth on the poster it's the poster teeth 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 just, just like, like a, regular like... sharp like bear teeth and i wonder if we have a lawsuit on our hands yeah false advertising claim i expected to see different teeth when i watched this movie oh my and gosh I was... you're right look at those teeth they've been it's just a lot this is a whole other thing it's just a lie yeah, to the a... american public you know what it looks like is like alien or something like it's a whole other thing but yeah i think they must have felt like it's not uh not scary enough can you imagine what those fucking meetings were like where they were arguing over the fact that they were putting a different monster on the poster for the movie Ron like Underwood slamming his hand on the boardroom table. That's not what they look like a hawk's mouth, not teeth. Now, is this the original poster? I mean, I think that's the original poster because there is a different DVD cover. I went down the rabbit hole on this. There's a different DVD cover that has the proper mouth on it. And the graboid is more coming at you instead of doing the jaws thing coming up at it from underneath. You're right. Speaking I never noticed. It's got tons of teeth. Very scary. They should have made those things anyway. I mean, that's those aren't grabbing teeth. Those are chewing teeth. You have to think <laughs> about sort of the science of the graboids. Yeah, it's true. The, my main issue is not the poster. My main question around this movie, and in future movies, they answer more about where are they from. But why now? I would just love a, like, blasting has, for the new underground tunnels, has taken place and outside of Reno, yeah. Nevada. Whatever it is, just give me an inciting incident other than Val and Earl want to leave, and then nature conspires to stop them. It feels like I would love to know the Graboid's motivation. Why are yeah, they? Yeah, that's interesting. Is there like a, a feeding cycle or something that like, you know, there used to be a down here, but then everyone mysteriously disappeared exactly 100 years ago to the day. Just something, a little something to sink my teeth hooked mouth into. <laughs> well, shit, Luke. 
And you could have given that that line to Walter Chang, who again is family. We, as we learned in the future ones, had been there yeah. since that. I'm, that's again, I'm stealing information from later movies. Part of what I, I agree with you that it, you could do a very simple thing to just show us that we've woken these up or something, just the viewers. But I do really like how simple the movie is in terms of like they're not getting into the lore or anything. It's really just like we have to survive. I do agree with you, but like I would, I would like it if they gave those lines to the doctor and his wife. As he's dying, he's like, it must be some sort of monster that was woken up recently. As he's dying, he's only on screen to give us exposition and one more death. I do want to point out that I thought that they did something a little bit nuanced in the script in regards to all of this. They have the scene where the townspeople are all together, you know, and Walter buys like the snake tongue for 15 bucks and everything. And they argue about where they're from mm -hmm. they demand they're like demanding that Rhonda tell them where they're from and, and she like calls it out she's like i don't know and it's just, i think it's a very clear commentator from like the screenwriting phase where they're like yeah they know the audience is going to be like Asking. demanding these answers yeah. and so they, they take the moment to tell you like we're not giving you those answers we don't have them that's not a part of what this movie is doing instead of like yeah. just no, not like called. answering the questions they're telling you that they don't know the answers and i think that that's a really effective way to handle that Okay. I, you know what? I table, I, I table my objection. I, I can see it though, Luke. Graboids <laughs> are grabbing. That's all we need to know. Would have had to start, start the movie with the construction guys that are working, right? You show yeah. them drilling into the ground and then you just see a little rumbling here and there. And then great. You've woken these up. Way to go, jerks. They're, they they set off dynamite and it, like there's a little puff of dust goes off and then another puff goes off and they're like, did you do that? And it's like, no, and another one closer and another one closer. I believe it. Suddenly they've woken up their eggs, whatever it is. You know, it took an atomic bomb to wake up Godzilla. So it only took Earl and Val trying to leave. But that it, it wasn't even that because it was the drunk guy up on the power line for days. So they had been out days. murdering for like a week before. Well, they've been going Easily. around. They hadn't killed anybody else yet, but uh... that we know of. But they, didn't they say a bunch of sheep were like eaten? Didn't wasn't yeah. somebody complaining that, that like part is that's my favorite part of the movie, <laughs> where they come upon the crime scene or the murder scene, and there's just piles of bloody wool where the sheep were. <laughs> I fucking love that. I was laughing so hard. That was just perfect. Yeah. Why wouldn't they just eat all of those sheep? And how hungry are the Graboids exactly? That's another thing I was confused about. Do they just want to, they're just completionists? They just want to kill everything around them? Or are they like so hungry? It's spite. You know, like <laughs> no, they're completionists. there was no thing of like, oh, they've eaten already. So now they don't need to eat for a while. There was none of that. It was just like, they just want to kill whatever's moving. They want to get a hundred percent rate. There's a little bit of confusion too. Cause it's like, sometimes if you're running and you just stop, they're like, he disappeared off the face of the earth. But other times, even you. though they're blind and have never been anywhere but underground, they're like, all right, if I shake this structure enough, I'll knock them off. They're smart. I don't know if you've heard. And Surprising. one of them's even smarter than the other one. Stumpy. The trauma. When they set the trap is amazing. I mean, these these guys are quick learners. They're doing their thing. <laughs> they really are. But then they forget to like check to see if there's anything ahead of them before they fly off of a cliff at the end. You'd anyway. think they would know where that cliff is. Deer know where the highway is. Tremors know where the cliffs are. But yeah. sometimes uh, deer get scared onto the highway. When I was a kid, my dog chased the deer onto the highway and a police officer came to our house and was like, hey, you shouldn't be letting your dog chase deer around. Oh, wow. This podcast and took what, a turn. Yeah. Is this like your origin story? Cop shot my dog right there on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> but he delivered that line to you after he'd shot the dog. You shouldn't be letting your dog. Wow. You know, 
no due process for dogs. Um, but they, that's why he threw the bomb behind it because he knew it would probably know where the clip was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the panic of like, oh, I don't like these chasing explosions. the boards. It chased it from underneath. Yeah, smart. Do you guys know about like the original inspiration for this movie? No. Unless it's a town getting eaten by worms. I'm very curious to hear how they put it together. So the guys that wrote it, Brent Maddock and S.S. Wilson, who they, their filmography, you're going to be like, yes, they did write those movies. Short Circuit. Wow. Batteries Not Included. Oh, my Short gosh. Circuit 2. Makes the sense. Land Before Time. There were story huh. consultants on that one. They didn't write it, but no. they punched Ghost it Ghost Dad. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. And Wild Wild West, which basically was the end of their gravy train. <laughs> wow. They uh, made every kid's movie around for Ghost a while Dad, there. same year as this. They Tremors and Ghost Dad. They were flying high. Forward. Man, yeah. Ghost Dad is, I mean, obviously it's got a whole other tinge to it now <laughs> that uh, Bill Cosby's in it. But I saw that movie multiple times in the theater, and uh, it freaked me out so much. It was such a weird, creepy idea. These guys made a bunch of fucking weird movies. They had the idea for this movie in the early 80s when they had a job making educational safety videos for the United States Navy. Wow. And they were like just out getting footage in the desert, sitting on a large boulder. And they were just like, what if there was something underneath this that wouldn't let us off the rock? So they started brainstorming ideas. They wrote a script called Land Sharks. (laughs) <laughs> which they of course be the title well they changed it to beneath perfection because of snl and they shared their idea with ron underwood who was making documentary films for nat geo at the time really? and so he had all of these ideas about zoology he was like well this is how the graboids would work he probably so some of the questions that we had earlier in this podcast ron underwood might have answers i love it he was doing documentaries this makes so much sense this feels it has like a, a documentary. Very, yeah, I was going to say, a very verite feel. Very doc it. feel. Yeah, Ron Underwood, he got his start as a production assistant. The first film he did was Future World, which starred Blythe Danner and Peter Fonda. Mm. And one of his jobs during the filming of that movie was to babysit baby Gwyneth Paltrow. And I just want to point out wow. that when I was a production assistant on Iron Man, some days when Blythe Danner would come to set to hang out with Gwyneth Paltrow, I would have to babysit Apple. What? Is that true? I didn't know this about true. you. Yes, that is. Yeah, that is true. You babysat Apple? Well, I would stay in like the trailer and like just make sure nothing happened. I mean, that's babysitting. You're that's the Ron Underwood of the modern day. Like, I've so, always said that about you. I thought you were going to say you babysat Blythe Danner. <laughs> uh, Gwyneth Almost. got really bad news. Blythe got into your makeup. She's It's all over the place. <laughs> Blythe said she was allowed to have another juice box, and I didn't believe her, and then she had it anyway, and she's nuts. Uh, that's wild. That's that's uh, that's exciting stuff for you. Uh, Ron Underwood, this was his first movie, and he Amazing. Uh, followed it up directing the Oscar-winning City Slickers. I love yeah. that movie. He made that. What a one-two punch. And yeah. then he did Robert Downey Jr.'s Hearts and Souls, Speechless, Mighty Joe Young, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, In the Mix, and ever since In the Mix in 2005, he has been doing television. Wow, it really it really flamed out fast. He didn't make City Slickers 2, huh? He did not make City Slickers 2. He had that good sense. He didn't make Tremors 2 either. Yeah, so that's interesting. I like that. He's like kind of like Denzel. He's like, I don't do sequels. 
except for the equalizer. I, I, I want to talk about the, if we could for a second, the camera choice. Now that I know he was a documentarian, this is interesting because there's that great like kind of Jaws-esque point of view cam that they use a lot. Where they just mm-hmm. set it on the Graboid's back and it's going underground with them. Yeah, but but it's not, it's confusing because at first I thought, okay, this is the point of view of the Graboid, but the Graboid's not above ground. It's a camera traveling above ground and sometimes it like goes through a fence or something it's really just like a camera on the ground that's following us to like give us the feeling of something chasing us i guess but it's not the point of view like when it's jaws it's the shark looking at the dangling feet you know this though is right a low camera it's representative in the original cut they just had a black screen with a bunch of muffled that would have been actually pretty funny (laughs) i think i can hear him down there Test audiences uh, said resoundingly, point. we don't like that. This would make a good <laughs> podcast, though. The mo- You could make Tremors into a podcast because of this. Just be a lot of like, don't move. Thum, thum, thum. They can't hear us. <laughs> it's a lot colder out here at night than I thought it would be. So I have a couple things that I want to bring up. One, I know that Luke wants to get into. And Eric, I'm sure you have an opinion as well. The score to this film. Mm. The, har- the heavy mm. harmonica-driven score to this that film. Whaling harmonica. Really only shows up in two places because most of the score, the studio deemed too goofy and threw out. Quote, unquote, really? too goofy. Like, in quotes, they said it was too goofy. For this movie. And most of the music in the movie is from an uncredited composer who was brought in deep into post-production. That does make sense, because there's sort of very two different styles of score in this movie. There is the crazy music at the beginning, and then it comes back again when they're pole vaulting from rock to rock. The fun, goofy pole vaulting scene. I really thought, when I heard it, I'm like, they must have seen My Cousin Vinny and been like, whale and harmonica is the way to go for this movie. It was in reverse, because this is two years before My Cousin Vinny, which is, I think, the high watermark of 90s harmonica soundtracking. I'm, I'm calling this Hollywood honky-tonk is the uh, yeah. is the name uh. of the genre. <laughs> yep, that's it. And I totally agree. I have My Cousin Vinny. The other one it reminded me of was like Doc Hollywood. Anytime you had to show somebody out of their element. It's a small town. They must be hearing a lot of harmonica, I would imagine. <laughs> harmonica is one of those instruments that you can play even if you don't know how to play it you know you're not good but anyone feels comfortable picking up a harmonica and sort of you can sort of figure out pick your way around it you can't go too wrong well that's the thing it's like always in harmony that's what this guy did i think that probably yeah he was learning to play harmonica and just really wanted to show off where he had gotten i did really enjoy the music and and that's so interesting you said that because there's also i did notice later that they have a cool little thing where whenever the tremors show up it's some sort of like a ticking sound like yeah i really noticed it this time around i've never noticed it before they had to just have it in there it's their version of donna donna but it's like it's almost like john carpentery or something it's very different than the other that's the seismology machine going yeah, it's right. Is that, is that what it is? I don't know. I thought it, it sounds like kind of that's yeah. cool, actually. Yeah. I, I'm looking at Ernest Troost's IMDb page. He has 95 credits. And right. Tremors is one of the only ones that's actually like a real movie. And he was probably like, Ouch. take my name off there. You ruined my vision. So many of these are like just shorts for kids or video games. Yeah, he got like one shot at it. And, the, and somebody was like, no. 
Hey, work is work. I mean, I don't mean to be critical of the guy. I'm trying to point the finger at some executive that was being an asshole is really what I'm I'm getting at here. Ernest Troost was doing good work and some idiot in his ivory tower couldn't see what was really going on here and wanted something more forgettable. Wallpaper. The honky tonk feels inappropriate as we watch the couple die. Yeah, was it the same <laughs> harmonica song during that part? <laughs> it was a minor chord harmonica. He switched. Yeah. Also, like this soundtrack walked so Breaking Bad could run, you know, and like mm-hmm. oh. there's a lot of just that southwestern down home twangy setting the roots maybe that was it was the rootsy music that awoke the graboids i love that they turned that whole pole vaulting into a montage like that they managed to turn that whole thing into a montage of them jumping the rocks i want to know who was storing uncut poles like that so lucky so lucky that many of them were there in the moment when you got out there to build your fence and you were like son of a bitch no one cut the goddamn fence rails yes well we'll just leave them leaned against this rock at least three of them for later use sturdy there's one other thing i want to bring up that i think we would be really remiss if we didn't talk about and that's the victor wong appreciation corner oh i love egg shen walter chang how much how much do you know about this fucking guy i learned the sad circumstances of his death while doing a little bit of research which is do you know that i do not let's work backwards how did he die he died on september 12th 2001 oh yeah after staying up all night stressing out because his children were in new york city and then the next day he walked down to the backyard and was pulled underground (laughs) no no that that last part is not true the september 12th part is that's wow so he died of a like heart attack or something yeah just like stress he was up all night stressing out they got the kids were okay but that was it well he did have a son that was murdered in the 80s in san francisco who was in a band called tales of terror so his son was like just randomly attacked one night and died but he was in this band called tales of terror which was a hardcore punk band that apparently was a huge influence on kurt cobain Wow. They were like a big, big deal at the burgeoning grunge scene. But that's far from the most interesting thing about Victor Wong, who came to acting late in life. He... I believe it. He was inspired by the assassination of JFK to become a journalist. And he basically invented the journalistic photo essay. No one had done that before him. He studied at the San Francisco Art Institute under Mark Rothko. He became friends with Jack Kerouac, who fictionalized him as the character Arthur Naba in the book Big Sur. Wow. His father was one of the first Chinese journalists in America when he emigrated here from the Guangdong province. Wow, I feel pretty bad about myself after listening to his biography. (laughs) I mean, it's just... And then he decided to become an actor. And then he decided to become an actor and be in all of these awesome movies. I know him best from Three Ninjas. What else has uh, has he been in? He was Egg Shen in Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. I want to say that his Wikipedia page said that he is well known from the Three Ninjas Tetralogy. (laughs) Just wanted to point that out. It was a cycle. They had already always envisioned it as the full story of the ninjas. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, he's uh... he's also buddies with Langston Hughes. He like lived with Langston Hughes when he moved to Chicago to study improv under Del Close. Like, I mean, it's like, it's got, is that true too? Yes. 
Yes. This guy is like basically zelling. Yes. Just hanging out with like all of like the great counterculture artists of the 20th century. And then wow. like ending it all by with like Ron Underwood and John Carpenter. Fascinating like guy. He was in The Last Emperor, The Golden Child. Life is cheap, but toilet paper is expensive. That's oh, that's movie? like a pretty famous. I read about that once. That's I think that's like a famous like Chinese American movie. Like that's an early indie. By Wayne Wang. Yes. I've been meaning to watch that. Eat a bowl of tea he also did with him. Huh. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure that you guys knew how awesome that dude is. I, I just love him I from Big Trouble in Little China. And that's like not even on the top 10 list of that guy's accomplishments. Yeah, that's amazing. And and actually, when you hear his whole life and then sort of the way he died is also extremely epic. You know, like yeah. it's, uh, it, it kind of fits with everything. This guy lived a life, saw the 20th century in America. And he acted opposite Reba McIntyre. We should all be so lucky. I was curious about Reba doing this because from my understanding, Reba's like pretty popular. I mean, this I guess this is her just being like, I want to get into acting. I would imagine. That's a good question. Yeah, that this is sort of, they're like, we know you can sing. Like, why is but, she not in Steel Magnolias or something? Uh, maybe she just gets real nervous on auditions. Yeah, I think they were like, you, you're the next Dolly Parton. You got to start acting. And we think the first role for you is a prepper, <laughs> a gun happy <laughs> prepper. I want to be an action star. It was not that she wanted to be an actor. She was like, I want to be Bruce Willis, basically. Yeah. It is her first role. She's good in it. And then she they've got good. the song that makes absolutely no sense of hers at the end. So just like, we just need a Reba song at the end. I'm like, what? This has nothing to do with anything. Where's my Tremors theme song? They weren't going to cast her. And then she's like, I'll give you a song for the movie. And they're like, all right, we got to go Reba. I watched the whole credits just in the hopes that when it got to the music, it was going to say whatever the name of that song was. And then in parentheses, the Tremors suite or something like that. Yes, exactly. I, no such luck. Nope. Song had nothing to do with anything. It was just a roadhouse anthem. But, hey. you know, it was a good song. It made me happy when I'm walking out of the theater, probably. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so, so it's interesting because she's done so much after that and like such humble beginnings to be like. Is it insane? Yeah. It's like Lady Gaga's like, I will do. Uh, what was that movie called? Starsborn. Yeah, that one. Never mind. Oh, yeah, that big one. They should have done Starsborn with Reba or with Michael Gross. Also, <laughs> Michael Gross. I did see this little fact. I don't know if you guys saw this. It, sh it popped up on my Amazon uh, as I was watching it. He started shooting this the day after he wrapped a series of Family Ties. Whoa. He was like, get me something with a gun. Anything. Like, he was like, May 19th, we done shoot. May 20th, I start up on Tremors. What is that all about? He's the same character, again, from Family Ties. This is his version of the Paul Kersey Death Wish story. His family, the entire family ties family is murdered. And he's like, I can't go through that again. He gets remarried. He moves to the desert. I think the preppers characters are really funny and have aged really well, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, they feel very familiar. Like those guys are still around. <clears throat> I love the uh, gunfire montage is, is pretty funny. I also like this idea that, that even the preppers they have, they're ready for, I like that line where he like has a little monologue about all the stuff they had mm -hmm. to be prepared. And you just can't prepare for everything. You could get everything. That, you can have a full compound and you're still not ready for graboids, you know? like That line is great. That's a great line. It's a fool's errand. But he was prepped because he had an elephant gun, which it turns out is a pretty good thing to have. And a ton. <laughs> and he knew how to make dynamite. Like they, mm -hmm. they, we can all agree they are all dead if not for the preppers. Yeah. So... I'm looking at the Tremors was, filmography. Was Bert on a watch list before this movie? Why did they end up out there? He is in every one of these movies. 
He is the, he's the through line. He's the single through line of the series. You to start wondering if he caused them. Well, I think as they went on, they sort of realized, like, you know who everyone loves is Burt Gummer. You know who we don't need to pay is Fred Ward, whose asking price is a lot higher than Michael Gross's. He's like, I just want to shoot worms. I want to shoot big, yeah. fat, disgusting grubs right in their dirty bird beaks. It was probably a very fun role to play coming right off Family Ties. You're like playing yeah. the dad and you're like, you know what? Let me have a little fun here. He's having a, again, he's like chewing up the scenery, but he's pretty believable. That guy feels pretty real. The Hawks hat is a weird choice. He'd probably just have like an army hat on or something. This guy's, this guy's definitely got some ex-military background. But I think that grounds it in a weird way. It's like, what do we know about this guy? He's like, he's a basketball fan. He's tall. He probably from the South. He loves the Hawks. Yeah. He'd be a Houston Rockets fan and you know it. Yeah, that's true. But it's fine. So on this podcast, Eric, we like to uh, wrap things up by playing a little game we call the the reboot game, where we lay out who we would task with writing and directing the reboot and who we would cast in it. Wow. Love this. I think since we have a guest, I don't think we need to like each do one. I think let's we should just try to like build it live. We can brainstorm it together. Yeah. 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 I like that. Let me throw something at you. Yes. Where is the line on comedy and horror in this remake? I think we want to lean more into both. Honestly, oh. I think we want it to get very weird, funnier and scarier. Yeah, and just weirder. I think it, it wants to be very, very weird. Like I would love to see Eric per your thing of the shot where instead of we're flying over ground, or sometimes we're going underground with them. I want to watch a victim shot where we go into the guts of the graboid, and we're watching that angle of the characters being sort of swallowed. I don't think we want like a hunky footloose type as a Valentine. I want like a Michael Sarah. Just really like huh. nebbishly worrying about like, God, we're just eating people underground, pulling them under, you know, because it's he's, <laughs> that was always also a weird thing to me is you start with Valentine being like, I want a woman seismologist. Yeah. And it never really gets like, I mean, they contrived to pull her pants off with barbed wire at one point. <laughs> But it yeah. is such a sexless movie. It really is. It's, it's the 80s, so you got to see a lady in underpants. But it's the most tame scene ever. They're very, very apologetic how they take them off. And then she's got just nice, clean, white cotton, mm -hmm. you know. And, and even then, they don't really show it. She's not like in a thong Just dabbing or some barbed wire wounds with iodine and giving her some yeah. nice jeans, which are like... Pretty hairy legs. Pretty hairy legs, I want to interject. We haven't talked about, about the seismologist at all. Yeah, she's very forgettable in this. Wow. I, mean, she, I don't know what her deal is, but she just sort of is like. She had all that sunblock on her nose when they introduced her. And I went, I just went, ah, not sexy. And I like didn't pay attention ever again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so who are you thinking then to make this funny horror? The first person that comes to mind when we're talking about those for me is like Taika. Oh, I would love a Taika Waititi uh, trimmer as it happens. Actually, yeah, I that's, think that's great. That guy's so overexposed and I like want less Taika in my life, but he should do it tremors i'm just that's a, that's somebody who comes to mind or like uh, i feel I like an australian right. director would make this movie correctly mm -hmm. oh tremors down under Ooh. see this is great i'm gonna stick with michael Sarah. is on he's on uh, like he's on he's doing a semester abroad and he's living his like his earl for his he's valentine like 40 doesn't matter <laughs> 2003 doesn't matter so he's he's living with his earl is maybe then he's the earl and he's been down there he's like oh yeah I live in the outback and his valentine is one of the hemsworths <laughs> so again, you're getting the worst sides. hemsworth oh, he'd be the good. worst hemsworth i don't think we can get chris for this if i'm being honest with you i don't think he's picking up our calls i think they probably thought they couldn't get kevin bacon liam would be great in this 
Yeah, I guess that's Liam true. would be great in this. I'm loving the down under. So are we in this reboot? Are we um, are we remaking the same movie or this is like a reimagined? We're just taking the IP and it's like, you know, I think it's a, you're you're starting over We're you know, like we're not making Tremors 8. We're starting over with the like, you know, a grittier version of the canonized story. Yeah, I think we right. stick to canon. So this is it's a similar small town, and they're they're all stuck here, and uh, and no one's ever seen a graboid before. You're getting for the guy, the old drunk who dies on the power lines, stunt casting Mel Gibson. Oh, <laughs> are we going? We're sticking with the uh, Australian theme. I like this. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's, I, as soon as you said Taika, I think it's got to be. It could be in New Zealand. I like see this to me makes more sense that. On an island nation, one where the entire middle is empty. Sure, I'm buying that there have been these big grubs. You yeah, can have sort of right. an aboriginal character who's like, we knew about him. We tried to tell you yeah. guys about him, but you won't even let us vote. So why would you take us seriously about the giant monsters eating our, our people for hundreds of thousands of years? Right. Yeah, there's hey, like some real- uh, old drawings and things he can produce. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's the, yeah. here's the lore. I, I do want to ask you guys if you know Taika Waititi's real name. What's it's- it say on his birth certificate? Lester something? It says Taika. Taika David Cohen. What? <laughs> didn't see that one coming, did you? No, such a his, different, I, mean, uh... I, did, I did know he was Jewish because he brought that up when people were like, you did, you played Hitler? And he's like, it's, it's all right. It's all right. His mom's, his Great. mother's Jewish. But he basically has been Taika Waititi like his whole life. It wasn't, oh, this will be good for my career move. But another anyway. another supporting thing back to the graboids existing and people not believing in them in Australia specifically, there were all these. I think I don't know if it was in New Zealand. There had been these legends about like a f- ferocious bird from the sky who would pluck off islanders in this one like small Polynesian island, and the anthropologists were like, "Huh, what silly myths these people have very condescending. And then they were doing an excavation at some place. So they're probably going to build like a military base. And they found the skeleton of a 15 foot Eagle that they're like, this could carry kids away for sure. This probably did. And they just eventually hunted them to extinction because they were so big that they knew where to find them and kill them before they came and took their kids. But it wasn't a myth. It was an actual bird that if they were like not watching their kids would swoop in and grab them. Jesus Nightmare. Yeah. And so I think it's very possible that on a small, maybe it's Australia, maybe it's Tasmania. Maybe it's even like kind of a smaller, more remote setting. There are these graboids just waiting to get us. And Tyke is going to take us inside the hilariously disturbing story. It doesn't have to be Michael Sarah. I guess he doesn't fit now that we're in Australia. I mean, I'd love to see Sarah Snook take on the size seismologist. She'd be great. And uh, Snook it up. Yeah. I, I do like, yeah, one of the lesser Hemsworth. Liam would be great. Mm-hmm. Liam. And, is he uh, Valentine? He would make a good Valentine, yeah. Um, For Earl, and then, uh, Hugo Weaving as Earl. Sure, could be, could be anybody. He could be a prepper. Okay, I like no, that. No, put him in. Put him in the Walter uh, just, role. You know, okay. I think because I think you know Michael Gross. He's the dad from Family Ties, right? So him with guns, it's him playing against type, right? So I think that's kind of mm-hmm. what you want to do here. You want to like put people in the role you wouldn't expect to see him in. And do we just keep Michael Gross as Michael Gross? <laughs> I he's been in all seven of these movies, so he's, he's gonna gotta, be pissed if you take him out. 
He's got to be, yeah, he's got to have that, like, legacy cameo role where it's like, you know, the heroes are like, how do we get rid of these things? And it's like, I did some digging online, and there is this, like, yeah. legend of this one other time this has happened. You start out, you you cut out to, like, the uh, the Outback, the Australian Outback, and in an RV is Michael Gross and Reba, and there's they're the doctor and the wife scene where it's suddenly, all of a sudden, oh. They're on vacation. I came to Australia to get away from finally getting away from. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and I'm going to throw one more. Shia LaBeouf plays uh, plays the annoying kid that everybody wants to die. (laughs) Not that I have anything against Shia. I just yeah. I was going to say I actually feel compelled to stick up for Shia. Cigarette, laughing at them getting sprayed with sewage. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can't believe that a kid doesn't die in the movie. He's just asking for it the whole time. The one kid you would want to see die. He's a, yeah, he's an orphaned jerk. That is the feel to me of early in like either test screenings or sort of when the they probably did kill him at some point. And they're like, we can't kill the kid. He's too pitiful as he dies. He screams. Yeah, he's pretty he sad bleeds. once he starts. I was surprised. I thought he was going to pee his pants. I thought that was a thing that happens because he gets real scared real, real fast, you know, like. Or maybe maybe that's where what happened to his parents. Maybe they were out sort of. He's like, we were out living our life out in the desert. And one day they were just gone and there were two bloody holes in the ground. One thing I would like to say that I, I really noticed this time around watching it all the way front to back was the subtext of you got to have a plan valentine the whole thing of like the two of them are constantly arguing about who's making the plans and the the not making plans is what's holding them back and then throughout the movie they're constantly one-upping each other making a plan for the next thing that's going to happen it would be a great drinking game to every time someone says i got a plan or plan Mm -hmm. you drink you'd be very drunk on tremors plan game but (laughs) but i thought it was an interesting subtext of like there and and, you know between that and then the preppers obviously are over planning everything there's an interesting Mm -hmm. uh thing going on about like who's planning here planning but improvising and changing it on the fly when the plan goes awry what do you do improvise i like when he's like yeah you improvise when a plan goes awry you improvise oh that's great that's really good oh wait before we go is this trash or is this a trashter piece? Oh, this is a trashter piece all the way. And you're really, you've seriously, Luke, got me thinking about watching Tremors too now. I got to say, I couldn't find it easily accessible without buying it. But the first 10 minutes are on YouTube, weirdly. And I think is... I'm just going to go straight to 2020's Tremors Shrieker Island, starring Michael Gross and John Heater. Yeah. Well, hey, I think that this has been great, Eric. Yes. Thank you for joining us in our open back pickup truck of a podcast. <laughs> and this was amazing. And uh, I would love to I would love to do this again. Thank you for having me. I did. I had one last thing, actually, that oh, it's a very yes, good movie. Please. So I think it's worth mentioning. I'm watching the whole movie and I watched the credits and I saw that makeup and hair was done by the Flying Fabrizi sisters. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. What? that was their credit. The Flying Fabrizi sisters, hair and makeup. Wow. I didn't look them up, but I just, I was like, good for them. The first that, result that's is, a stage name. Mike, is Michael Gross's Facebook page <laughs> from it 2020. Is. Official Tremors franchise fans no doubt know the original Tremors closing credits by heart. But if you look closely, you will see key makeup credits listing the Flying Fabrizi sisters. Here is one of them, Carla or Annette. I forget which. <laughs> With the delightful Fred Ward. He doesn't remember which one it is, and he says it. He could have just said, here's one of them. He doesn't have to go on and say, I forget which. 
Yeah. And it sounds like that's he put that up as a uh is that a Fred RIP Fred Ward post? Maybe it might be. No, this is a May 19th, 2020 post. I've got nothing else to do. I can't leave the house. Gotcha. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, remember Tremors. Anyway, thank you so much for having me, guys. This was amazing. Eric, right. thank you again. And yeah, uh, thank you. Hey, stay safe. Stay on solid rock if you can, or at least <laughs> always have a pole vault on hand. And always yes. have a pole vault. Yep. Thanks, right. guys. This was awesome. Love you. Love you too, buddy. Thus concludes another episode of Thrashterpiece Theater with your hosts, Alexander Burns and Luke H. Simmons with very special guest Eric Hutchinson. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or even suggestions for films for consideration, please email trashtopiecepod at gmail.com. Join us next week as we watch the John Milius 1982 fantasy classic Conan the Barbarian. Thank you for sharing this trash with us. Good day. <laughs>